First John. First John chapter three. First John chapter three. Amen. And um, let's begin at um, let's begin at verse twenty. First John chapter three. In verse number 20, and I apologize, I, I um, left my iPad at uh, Bethany and Jake's this afternoon, so I've got my notes, but I don't have any way to put them up on the screen, but we'll do it old school tonight, that'll be fine. First John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, it says this, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment that we should believe on the name of His Son Jesus Christ and love one another as He gave us commandment. So when the Bible talks about commandments in the New Testament, it's not talking about those that we find in the law in the Old Testament, but the ones that were given to us by Jesus. Jesus made it very clear that if we obey the two commands that he gave, not only will we fulfill all of the law, but we'll also fulfill the different instructions and precepts that were given through the prophets. And those two commandments were to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to, to love others as we love ourselves, amen. And so we see that these two commands and growing in these two commands is, is one of the key ways that we grow spiritually and that we develop spiritually. Now, tonight I wanna, I wanna talk to you a little more about our giving God the place he deserves in our lives. Giving God the place he deserves in our lives and the importance of that. I really, I really believe that the Holy Spirit is breathing on that um, as we begin this new year. I believe he's really wanting us to, to examine ourselves. Um, the Bible says that if we judge ourselves that um, we won't have to be judged. And as a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And if you'll allow him to help you, he'll help you. Uh, he'll show you. He'll reveal things to you um, that need to be addressed and that need to be dealt with in our lives. We see that um, the enemy, our enemy is a deceiver. We also see that other people can um, at times um, deceive us. But the Bible also speaks of our deceiving ourselves where, where we um, are our own worst enemy when it comes to self-deception. And it's very easy for us to believe that, that we are doing, um, you know, better than we really are. Do you understand what I mean by that? I'm not here to try to condemn you or shame you tonight. But it's very easy for people to say things like, God is my all, Jesus is my everything, He's, he's number one in my life, but but in reality, he, he's really not. And it's, so again, it's very easy for us to deceive ourselves 
um, in these areas and with these things. And it's important that we search our hearts uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that He uh, would be allowed to reveal to us um, areas in our lives where we are not giving um, God. And when I say God, I'm talking about, you know, I, I, we love to call Him Father and Jesus and Holy Spirit around here. Amen. And, um, and so I don't mean to distance from those personal, uh, you know, names that we have for God. But when I say giving God His place, the place that He deserves in your life, I'm talking about God the Father, the place He deserves, God the Son, the place He deserves, and God the Holy Spirit, the place that He deserves in your life. Because we see that, that each member of the Trinity is, is working on our behalf and, and is, is desiring to uh, operate uh, in and through you in a very unique way and, and on your behalf. Um, Jesus is our advocate in heaven. The Holy Spirit is another advocate uh, who's here with us. Um, even, how about this, Jesus referred to him as a helper. Um, the Holy Spirit is God present in your life right now to help you. Amen. And we need to surrender and yield to the Holy Spirit uh, instead of grieving Him and, and allow Him the opportunity and the privilege, amen, to help us. Praise God. Now, I want to go back to this verse where He says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And what He's talking about here is issues in our lives where we may still struggle, um, weaknesses in our flesh that may still present issues for us at times. And if we allow the Holy, if we allow the Holy Spirit um, to help us, he, He's going to convict us of those things. And that word convict just simply means to convince and, you know, to, to, to show us, you know, where these things are wrong and how these things are hurting us. But if we yield to the enemy, he's not going to try to convict or convince you. He's going to try to condemn you. And so this passage is one that I think we should be aware of and be reminded of that even if our own heart condemns us, there's still therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because God is even greater than your heart and He, he knows the real you. He, he sees the whole picture. He, he sees the, 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 the beginning all the way through the ending. Amen. And, and relates to you on that level. Then of course He says, but if our heart condemns us not, we have confidence towards God. Now, there's a lot of preaching that we could do right there. I'm, I'm wanting to lay some groundwork tonight that I think will put some things in the right perspective as far as what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And let me just, let me just try to cut through all these things. For those of you who are not here this morning, we focused in on the thieves really we talked about both of the two thieves um, that were on either side of Jesus 
at his crucifixion. And how one of those men began to mock Jesus and laugh at him along with, you know, getting caught up in the crowd and, and what other people were doing and how other people were addressing him. But then there was the other man also convicted of thievery and by his own admission deserved the punishment he was receiving. He actually took his eyes off of himself and his own predicament and came to Jesus' defense. And when he did that, the attitude of his heart shifted. When he told the thief that was making fun of Jesus, hey, you know, cut that out, man. You're, are you really that dumb? Do you not fear God? We deserve what we're getting. This man has done no wrong. He doesn't deserve this. And, and in that moment, you, you, you have to look carefully at that, but in that moment, that, that one man on that cross next to Jesus, he shifted Jesus into a different place in, in his um, understanding and reality. Jesus went from just another guy next to him being crucified to someone who was in a position above him, and, and he called him Lord. He said, he said, Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And among other things, what we were trying to emphasize through that event is how things shifted when that man put Jesus in a place that he deserved. When he didn't consider him to be equal to Jesus, but he considered Jesus to be above him. Now, I don't know what this man knew. We, we have so little information about him. And clearly, if we were leading this man in the sinner's prayer, we, we would have included more than remember me when you enter your kingdom, okay? We would have instructed him to pray according to Romans 10, and we would have made sure that he got all the I's dotted and the T's crossed, and he prayed the right prayer, and he confessed the right things, and said that he believed the right things. And I'm not saying that that's not important, but what we see from that event is that it was the attitude of this man's heart, and more than anything else, he was giving Jesus a place that Jesus deserved. And the moment he did that, salvation flowed into that man's heart. The moment he did that, Jesus reached out to him and, and became something to him in that moment that he was not before. Now, Jesus, it was the same Jesus. Are you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't that Jesus changed. It was the attitude of that man's heart towards Jesus. That's what changed. What changed is, you know, Jesus was the Savior of the world, whether that man acknowledged anything about him or not. But the moment that he gave Jesus the place above him, salvation flowed from Jesus into him. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the same the same is true for you and for me tonight. My parents taught us when we were growing up, and it's one of those things that, 
I, they said it to me so many times that it's one of those things I'll never forget, right? And it's, and it's this simple saying that he will be, Jesus will be everything to you that you need him to be. He will be everything to you that you need him to be. Amen. If, if you need uh, him to be wisdom to you, he'll be wisdom to you. If you need him to be uh, healing to you, he'll be healing to you. If you need him to be uh, forgiveness to you, he'll be forgiveness to you. In other words, anything that you need him to be, Jesus will be that to you, right? But if I could just add one little bit to that, all right? Um, he will be that to, he will be everything to you that you need him to be, but also he will be everything to you that you let him be. I mean, you, you've got to give him that place in your life. It is amazing to me, just like the thief on the other side of Jesus. He was so close to salvation and yet so far removed because he made fun of Jesus who was in the, he just saw Jesus as another person in the same predicament that he was in. He didn't see him as being any different, any better, any higher, any more or less deserving of anything good or bad, right? And that blindness prevented him from receiving what Jesus came to this earth to give, not just to him, not just to the thief on the other side, but to all of us. Are you seeing this tonight? What Jesus came to give to all of us. Now, let me shift for a moment and talk to you about spiritual growth. Amen. I've got, I've got good news for you tonight. Amen. The things that you're dealing with in your life, you may not can outrun them, but you can rise above them. You, you can actually outgrow the petty things of your flesh that seem to trip you up and seem to keep you, you know, from, from reaching, uh, you know, the things in life that Father God uh, has for you to, to, to lay hold of and, and, you know, some of the habits and Maybe even if you're here tonight and have struggled with addiction and, and, and things of this nature, we can, once we enter into Christ, we can grow up into Him in all things. In all things. And, and so that is the simple solution, but also the long-term, lifetime solution to these things that we deal with in the flesh. It's, it's to, to outgrow them. Amen. To, to, to grow beyond. Uh, you know, people say, well, you know, Pastor Mark, I just, I just have a bad temper. I've struggled with a bad temper my whole life. Well, guess what? You can become so mature in Christ that that bad temper doesn't have a hold on you. It doesn't have a grip on you any longer. Are you hearing me? You know, all these things that, listen, and that's why we got to quit making excuses for ourselves. Well, you know, I'm this, I was Irish, or I'm this, or what? No, 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 listen, you've got, you got new DNA, you've got new heredity, you've been born a second time of an incorruptible seed, you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you, you've been born of Jesus Himself. If, if you could step outside of your spirit, uh, if, if your spirit could step outside of your body right now, you already look like Jesus, amen. And so we're simply growing up into Him. 
We're growing up into who we became the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. But if you are paying attention, you know that that doesn't necessarily happen overnight. In other words, we've, we've all got some growing to do. We've all got some things that we need to do better. And, 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 and <laughs> we can say it this way, right? There's that whole category of things that we need to, to do less of, and there's that whole category of things that we need to do more of. Amen. And the, again, the real answer to this is, is allowing the Lord to help you to grow up into these things. Now, let me, um, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm just asking you, praise God, to, to think about this. You know, are, are, you doing, are you doing better tonight than you were six months ago? Are, are, in other words, I, I love it when this happens in my life. When I, when I find myself in a similar situation, but responding more Christ-like than I did in the past. Where I find it's becoming easier to forgive people. I find that it's, it's, it's becoming more enjoyable to, to do things that used to seem very challenging, very difficult. More interest in things pertaining to, to the Spirit that you know, a hunger that's, that's stronger and an appetite that's, that's deeper for the things of God than, than, than it's ever been in my life. All of these things are, are, are signs, they're, 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 they're evidence of our development, of our growth. Amen. But just like the Apostle Paul who had accomplished so much, I mean, he wrote, if you give him credit for Hebrews, he wrote more than half the New Testament. He, he had raised people from the dead. He, I mean, they would take sweatcloths. You know, he was a tent maker. And, and there would be scraps of, of, of cloth that, you know, he's making those tents that he would wipe his brow on and stuff that would, that, that would be laying around. And people would come and get those cloths and go lay them on sick people and they'd be healed. I mean, are you following what I'm saying? This, this man was developed. This man was well advanced in the things of God. He had, he had pioneered missionary efforts and built churches and, and, and all of these things that he had accomplished. And yet, in the, in the twilight years of his life, he's talking about only really having laid hold of, of, of one truth. In other words, if, he, if, he had obtained, if he's obtained anything, he's attained this one thing, right? Forget what's behind me and keep reaching for what's ahead. Keep reaching for what's ahead. In other words, he recognized that as much as he had accomplished and as much as he had grown, there were still things for him to accomplish. There were still uh, lots of things that he needed uh, to grow up into, lots of areas that he needed to continue to develop in. Now, when he says, if our heart condemns us, my friend, God is not in the condemning business. That's the enemy trying to pile on a mistake that you've made or some shortcoming that you still struggle with or you know, some area that's still undeveloped in your life. And, um, and you know, maybe you are still committing sin in that area. And the enemy's trying to bring condemnation to you. Listen to me. The Bible says that Father knows your frame and that you are made from dust. 
That's not an excuse to sin. But we should also take comfort in knowing that Father recognizes each and every one of us are still a work in progress and that He has committed to see to the finish the work that He began in you the day you were born again. And He will be faithful to finish that work. And that He will be with you always, even unto the end of the way. And that we have been made one and the same with God. Amen? And He's not ashamed to call you His brother. So when we understand these things from this perspective, we recognize that there's, there's growth that needs to be made. And Jesus certainly talked about this growth. He talked about the things that we needed to become more developed in and, and, and areas in our lives and in our hearts that, that still needed to be surrendered to Him. And if you're not careful, legalistic preachers who don't understand the grace of God will try to take those teachings of Jesus and put them in the context of things that you must do in order to be saved. And that is just simply not the case. It is simply not the case. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you will, from a sincere heart, cry out to Him to come and forgive you and, and to come and, and make His home in you, He will accept that opening. He, just like that thief on the cross, if, if you will just give Jesus the place in your life that He deserves, amen, if you will recognize that you're the sinner and He's the Savior and, and call upon Him, then by elevating Him over you in that way, His salvation will flow from Himself into you. Amen. Now, please, that's, that's so, so very important. And when we talk about giving Him the place that He deserves, I dare say... Most every person who gets born again at that moment, they have no idea the real place in their life that he deserves. In other words, we can only commit to what we understand. And Father recognizes that. So we are growing up into Jesus, but where the real growth comes is when we give Him more and more of the place that He deserves in our lives. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is not... Praise God. Thank you for helping me, Holy Spirit. This is, this is burning in me, and I want to make sure that we, that we understand these things, that, that when you call upon Him, he, he answers that invitation. He comes into you. And, and even if you continue to struggle in areas of, of the flesh, he doesn't condemn you. You may condemn yourself and the devil may try to condemn you, but God's bigger than your heart and he knows all things. Amen. So what we're talking about here is this daily thing, not not you know, a one time and done. I believe that when we call upon the name of the Lord, even if you did that as a small child, you were born again. But where the real growth is, 
And, and, and where it really starts to develop in our lives is when we understand who he is. And as we, as we grow in that understanding, we continue to submit ourselves to him. And, and as we learn and as we grow through that process. Amen? All right, let me, I'm about out of time. Let me, let me give you just a, a few verses, okay? Um, Luke chapter 7. Let's turn there for a moment. Some of you probably have this verse marked in your Bible. If you don't, I want you to see this. Luke, Luke chapter 7. We'll finish this section up and, and call it a day. Amen? Luke chapter Are you getting anything out of this? Man, I, I want you to, you know, you say, Pastor Mark, I just keep struggling. I just keep, the, the good news is you can outgrow that. Amen. I, I know that, you know, sometimes the way things are said and the way people say things and what have you. But, you know, I was, I was told my whole life that Jesus will either be Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And, and I, you know, that just sounds so cut and dried and all these other things. But listen, I'm, I've been serving him for a long time and I'm still learning how to make him Lord of my life. I'm still learning that there are areas in my life that I need to submit to him and surrender to him. And this idea that it's, it's all or nothing and he'll have nothing to do with you, if you that, that's, that's not how he works. Every, every area of your life that you open to him, he's going to fill it with his love. He's going to fill it with his wisdom. He's going to fill it with his goodness. This idea that, that, that he won't uh, work in this area of your life if you don't give him this area, that's not, that's not what we see in Scripture. And that's, that's, not what it's, that's not how it's played out in my life over the years, right? Is he not a merciful God? Is he not a patient God? Does he not love us with an unconditional, unspeakable love? All right, so let's look at this for a moment. Luke chapter 7 and verse number 28, Jesus speaking, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All right, now, this is one of those verses that if Jesus didn't say it, you know, if somebody just said that it was rumored, in other words, this, this verse doesn't, doesn't sound right to us. Again, greatest prophet born of a woman is John the Baptist. But Jesus said the very least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Well, let's look at some coinciding verses with this. John um, chapter 3 and verse number 5. John chapter 3 and verse number 5. And Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19. I wanna, I'm gonna, we're going to look at both of those. You can go ahead and just put your hand in John 3 and open on over to Matthew 5. John 3 and 5, Matthew 5 and 19. All right? Both of these verses are related. Again, Jesus said in Luke 7, among those born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. So let's first of all look at Matthew 5 and see who this least in the kingdom person might be. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's make sure that we understand this. Jesus said the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And that greatest prophet of the Old Testament was John the Baptist. Now, Jesus also let us know that by least in the kingdom is he's talking about someone who is in the kingdom, but is not only a breaker of the least commandments, the easiest ones to obey, he also teaches other people, influences other people to break those commandments. I mean, in the Pentecostal legalism that I've experienced in my life, this guy's not even saved, yet that's not what Jesus says. Okay, John chapter 3, we'll put a bow on this. John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus saying in Luke 7 when he says that although John the Baptist was the greatest prophet born of a woman, the least in the kingdom is greater than John. The reason Jesus is saying that is because the least in the kingdom has not just been born of a woman. The least in the kingdom has been born of a woman and has been born of the Spirit. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you enter through the new birth, unless you have been born again. So we see that John the Baptist was born of a woman, but the least in the kingdom who is breaking commandments and teaching others to do so is someone who entered into the kingdom through the new birth. Jesus also added to that, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of Pharisee, you cannot enter the kingdom. Amen? And we see, of course, as we understand later, that Jesus has given us righteousness through the new birth, that we were born again and received as a gift his righteousness, His right standing with God the Father. So this idea that we've got to obey all these commandments and, and, and jump through all these hoops, and unless you do that, you're not saved. See, again, Jesus didn't teach that. Jesus teached if you've been born again, you're in the kingdom. And you may still be struggling, but if you've been born again, not only are you in the kingdom, you're in a better position than even the greatest of the Old Testament who were never born again. So if your heart condemns you tonight, God is greater than your heart. He knows all things. But my brother and my sister, as we are growing up into Him, as we are giving Him the place in our lives that He deserves so that we are making fewer and fewer mistakes and committing less and less sin and developing more of His nature in us by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our hearts are not condemning us, what's happening? We're, we have confidence towards Him. Let me tell you the devil's worst nightmare. That's a born-again believer on planet Earth who has confidence towards God. Amen.
who has confidence towards God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fathers, we stand before you tonight. We do so humbly, Lord. Asking you by the Holy Spirit to show us specific areas in our lives where we are not giving you the place that you deserve. Show us, Father, specific areas in our lives where we've put our trust and confidence in things of this world instead of placing our trust and confidence in you. Fathers, we stand before you tonight. Show us specific uh, areas and instances in our lives where we have made the world our friend instead of coveting and desiring friendship with you above everything else. Father, I thank you tonight for your precious gift of salvation that is given freely to whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. And I thank you, Father, tonight for helping us understand what it means to grow up into Jesus, what it means to give him the place that he deserves in our lives, and how that's an ongoing process, Father, as we learn and as we grow and as we, as we mature and as we, as we do that more and more, Father. Thank you for helping us, Lord, embrace the things that are most precious and most dear to your heart. And Father, help us to understand that eternal life is personal fellowship with you. Help us, Father, put that personal fellowship at a priority position in our lives. That we turn to you in good times. We turn to you in trying difficult times and all the other times in between. Father, help us set our hearts and minds upon you when we first awaken in the mornings and after we've told everyone else important in our lives and homes good night, Lord, may we lay our heads on our pillows and may we set our hearts, minds, and affections upon you as we drift off to sleep. Father, may we include you in every conversation. May we include you in every decision. May we acknowledge you in all of our ways as we trust you to direct our paths. Teach us, Holy Spirit, what it looks like practically in our lives on a moment-by-moment -moment basis to give God the place that he deserves. And thank you, Father, for your mercy and for your patience with each one of us as we still work towards getting that right. Father, as we look to the week ahead, we know that you have divine appointments already established for us. People, Lord, that you would have us minister to, people that you would have us say a kind word to, people that you would have us perhaps help in some way. Father, as we look to the week ahead, Father, we look forward to it with expectation, Lord, with excitement, not with dread, not with, not with fear, not with anxiety, Father, but with, with confidence and boldness. Knowing that you go with us, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that there's nothing we'll face this week that, that you haven't already overcome and that we can't overcome by faith in your name.
May our light so shine before men this week, Father, that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.